Ever feel like you're doing this teaching thing alone? You don't have to be. Share Teaching is all about sharing the workload through the power of collaboration and teamwork. Together, we'll walk through all the difficult parts of teaching and learn how to streamline our processes, fine-tune our time management, and develop a more manageable workload. If that sounds like a dream come true to you, then welcome to the Shared Teaching Podcast. Let's share in the teaching to make those dreams a reality. Now here's today's Shared Teaching. Hello and welcome my Shared Teaching team. You are in for another episode of the Shared Teaching Podcast where I am your host and creator, Susan. This is episode number 70 where we are talking about the five steps in the writing process, and especially how I teach them in my own classroom to my second graders. Now, I feel like writing is an essential skill every student needs to master. And as primary teachers, we really play a crucial part in helping our students develop their writing abilities. We are that foundational level where students get the skills that they need and the rest of the grades kind of build upon the skills that we've set in that foundational level. So we are very crucial in the front line as K through two educators. So it's really important that we have a firm foundation for our upper elementary. So I found that when students have a blueprint for success, they are much more likely to be focused during writing time. And one major way I provide a blueprint is by following the writing process throughout our lessons during a writing unit. So I will talk about that in just a little bit. But first, before we can set up our blueprint for writing, students need to understand the question, what is the writing process? In my class, I use the terms planning, writing, revising, editing, and publishing as my five-step writing process. You might have heard other terms, and it's okay if you use other terms or your district dictates other terms for you to use so that you have a common vernacular, but those are the ones I like to use because I feel like they're very straightforward. They just tell students exactly what it is, and there's no guessing game involved when the students are going through the process. So by teaching students the writing process, students are aware of what their next steps will be when it comes to writing. I also teach my students that not every piece of writing needs to be revised, edited, and published. We pick and choose what goes through this process, just like our favorite published authors do when they work through their writing to determine what they're going to publish. So since my class moves through the stages of the writing process at the same time, I like to keep process posters for student reference near my writing center. So my writing center is not super fancy. In fact, I think you can find an old reel on my Instagram at shared teaching that has a picture of this. It's just a tiny table in the corner next to a bookshelf. And I have on there my letter writing station and I have a couple anchor charts. And so right above that, there's a bulletin board. And so underneath the bulletin board, I have my writing process posters and I have them in order so that the students know what the steps are and I refer to them as we are going through our lessons in writing. So they kind of just naturally start recognizing what the steps are. 
especially if I'm pointing them out as we go through the lessons. Like, oh, today we are writing and here it is. We just did planning yesterday. <laughs> so I, I kind of use that language similar to that when I'm teaching the lesson. So I know a lot of teachers like to use clothespins with student names on them, and then they track where their students are in the writing process by clipping the clothespin on which process step they're at. I kind of find that to be a lot to manage, even in my second grade classroom. So you can read more about or listen more about the why I choose to have the class stay together throughout the stages in my post called What is Writer's Workshop? And that is episode number 39. So you can go ahead and take a listen to that after you finish this episode. And that will go through all the details on why I like to do that. Okay, so step one of the writing process is to plan. And sometimes it's called the pre-writing step. And I don't really like the term pre-writing, but I do like teaching students that an author has a plan. And of course, some of the ways we are planning might be to make a circle map, to make lists, to use graphic organizers. And I've created a variety of different graphic organizers for my students that are often just a table with two or three columns and also tree maps. And of course, another way is brainstorming. And we usually limit brainstorming to a whole class activity, but that's just me. Often I will model how to plan my own writing as a whole class lesson, right? So in the What is Writer's Workshop, I believe I break down how my workshop flows, but I start with a whole class lesson, which is the I do, we do, you do model that I teach. And so I give a little blurb about the objective and what we're going to learn. And then the class helps me with our plan if we're at the planning step. And so the students will then plan their own writing independently using the same process I modeled when it comes to their independent part of the practice. I strongly encourage my writers to use their own ideas and not just copy what I do because copying, if you don't know, is super common in kindergarten through second grade classrooms, especially for your less seasoned writers. You know, the ones that might struggle and sit there for a good 20 minutes and have nothing on their paper. Either they just don't know what to write or they're just struggling in general. So this is why I always recommend, like, I will model it. I will show you exactly how to use the plan that I'm using, but then it's your turn. You get a copy that looks almost exactly like mine. Maybe the topic's a little bit different. Maybe I'm asking you to come up with your own topic, or maybe it's the same topic, and I'm just asking you not to use the same words that I use, because I feel as second graders, we need to kind of push them a little bit and encourage them to move beyond that and just think on their own. They don't always want to just copy what they see on the board. Okay, so step two in the writing process, or if you want to call it drafting step, is to write. So again, um, step one is planning, but some people call it pre-writing. Step two, I like to just call it writing, but some people might call it drafting because you're making a draft and then you're going to publish your draft, right? So you're going to have a final draft. I feel like that's reserved more for upper elementary, high school, middle school. So I just like to call it writing because in this stage, that's exactly what we're doing. We are writing. So students are beginning to put their ideas and their plans into sentences and hopefully, fingers crossed, paragraphs. 
Encourage your students that spelling doesn't matter as much as getting their ideas down. Now, I have found, just like I talked about it a few minutes ago, that students struggling with writing often get stuck in this stage because they have trouble forming their letters or figuring out what to spell or how to spell it. This has them taking forever, you might know the ones, to put something on the page, or maybe they're even acting out because they just can't do where what you're asking. And this is often where our writer's workshop model is falling apart. You might have somebody writing, someone else planning, someone else publishing, and how do you help little Johnny sitting there that just can't even put anything on his paper? This is why I recommend that your whole class sticks together and does each step of the writing process together. <laughs> okay, so if you have a struggling writer, then I suggest going back to how to help struggling writers with their writing. And that is episode number 37. So again, when you're done with this episode, take a listen to that one. And that might give you a few more tips on how exactly to help them. But in this podcast episode, we're just talking about the writing process. I'm going to try my best to stick with that. Okay, so a little tidbit to help with those struggling writers is because in the beginning, not because, but in the beginning of the school year, you're going to want to build in some mini lessons about how to put words on paper. Even with second graders, some of your students might need this refresher after summer, and because they're new to you, they need to learn your expectations during writing time. Never assume that they just know. I made that mistake once. (laughs) It was a horrible mistake. And it started my year off so rocky because I was teaching older students and I just assumed, hey, they should know the rules by now. But you know what? They don't know your rules. They don't know your style of teaching. So always be super clear, especially in the beginning. Tell them exactly what to do. Even make little jokes about like, what's your pencils for? And they will find it engaging. They'll find it funny. But best of all, you're setting down those expectations. So if you want to learn more about writing mini lessons, you can listen to episode number 40. As you can see, I have quite a few writing episodes in my podcast that can help you with your writing troubles. So go ahead and just scroll through some of them and make yourself a new playlist. And hopefully that will give you a lot of the help that you're needing. Okay. So step three then is to revise. So after planning and writing, we have revision. Teaching how to revise, I find can be very tricky with our young learners. So I teach students that when we revise, we are making our story better by adding details or moving, removing, or changing words. So it's about the words and the details and the pictures and the words. Okay, (laughs) most students naturally want to fix spelling errors at this point, but I try to help them resist. Once it's further in the year and they know to fix errors with their red writing editing pen, then I will let them. So yes, I do have very specific tools for each part of my writing process. So we have our black planning pens and our writing pens. Then we have our blue editing or sorry, our blue revising pens and our red editing pens, just to give students that natural break into, okay, now we're switching gears and this is the process we're working on. I find it really helps solidify that if you're changing the color of the utensil that they're using. 
Okay, so using writing partners during the revision stage is a crucial part of getting your students to understand the writing process. Don't try to skip this. Build quite a few lessons on how to work with partners, and it doesn't even have to be a writing lesson. Think of how often you use partners, right? In math, in reading, in science, doing experiments together, playing at recess together. So you can embed these kind of lessons throughout your day, throughout your first weeks of school, revisit them as you need, but don't skip teaching them how to work with a partner because this is where the partners will help lean more on each other and less on you saying, help, 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 when you're in the middle of your writing block. So having a partner read their writing can really go a long way in helping to identify any confusing parts or unclear ideas in their stories. A well-trained partner can also ask questions to help add details. So don't leave that part out. So you might want to scaffold how a writing partner is helping. So maybe they're helping a little bit less in the beginning, but more and more as the year goes on because now they've built up those other skills on how to complement, how to work with each other, that now you can introduce asking questions, helping prompt their partner, and produce a better story. I tell you, when you get this right, it can be amazing, and it's so exciting to see. I'm giving myself goosebumps just thinking about it. (laughs) I love those days when it all comes together. Okay, yes, I'm a dork. Writing process step number four is to edit. So you revise first and then you edit, which never made any sense to me because kids like to naturally try to fix their spelling the first thing they do when they're done with their writing and they're told they're going to publish it, right? It's just natural. But instead, we try to push them to resist that urge and revise first, then edit. So if you want to flip-flop those around, I say go for it if it makes sense to you. I try to keep it in the natural order of things because this is how everywhere else I see it has been done, but that's just me. I'm kind of a rule follower (laughs) most times, so I like to stick with what their next year teacher might follow or the teacher after that might follow, which is always editing is like the last step, right? Okay, so during the editing stage, students are finally able to focus on the mechanics of writing or their spelling and punctuation. I've also seen where they recommend grammar, but I find second grade, especially with all the after effects of the pandemic, really struggle with that grammar part. So I like to just stick with spelling and punctuation. And as they're reading their writing during revising, I'm teaching them how to make it sound okay. So that's kind of my grammar without calling it grammar, if that makes sense. So editing stage is simply spelling punctuation for me anyway. So I encourage students to use phonetic spelling in my classroom. That is a-okay because it is grade level appropriate. And they want to reference their sound wall or also their word wall list to help them spell words. So in my class, they have a little like cheat sheet of sorts in their writing folders that have their common sight words. And then also we have a nice sound wall on our bulletin board that can help them point out the different sounds and phonics to plug into their words and make it seem more like it makes sense, right? I'm more concerned with the words having vowels and being able to sound them out and know what the word is than it is to be spelled correctly. 
that's just me though. If I'll get to that in just a minute. So pause that thought and let me keep going because I'm going to come back to this in a second. So their writing partner is another way you can have someone help offer spelling suggestions, especially if you're partnering up smartly and you have maybe like a medium low or a low or medium low and a medium high student in different groups because then the slightly higher student can help with the lower student to fix the spelling. So for first and second grade, I do not expect perfect spelling unless it's a word or pattern that we have practiced and the majority of the class should know it. If the majority of the class does not know it or does not know it automatically, then I don't consider it as something that they have to have. And I go back to the phonetic spelling. Can I figure it out? Can someone else reading it figure it out? Then it's okay. All right, all of my students from the first day of school to the last day of school know my expectations on capitals and periods. I talk about this literally every single day when we do our phonics warms-ups. I'm reminding them that lowercase letters belong in their words. They are not writing sentences if we're just doing one-word phonics. So they know that they have to start a sentence with a capital and end with a period. This is one of my non-negotiables for their writing, and I start it on day one when I meet them. Because I figure in kindergarten they learned a basic sentence, in first grade they learned a basic sentence. So by second grade, they've had two years of practice and there's no more excuses, right? So kind of think about the writing continuum when you're thinking about your expectations for your students, and that can help you figure out if they've had enough practice time built in to this writing skill that they're supposed to have that makes it appropriate for you to then reinforce it in the grade level you're teaching at. Okay, if you want some more information on editing and revising, you can check out my podcast episode on editing and teaching revising methods in episode number 45. Okay, last but not least is the final step to the writing process, and that is to publish. And I have not heard it called anything else other than publish, so we're good there. (laughs) As I mentioned earlier, I do not ask students to publish every piece of writing. I think that would get old pretty fast for kids. So instead, I look for breaks in my writing unit to publish. So ideally, a break would be when we switch to a different style of writing. And I don't mean an entire genre. I just mean... Um, and here, I'll show you an example. So in my opinion writing unit, students publish an opinion paragraph, a book report, and a persuasive letter. So those are the three main focuses on what type of writing we're doing within the opinion writing genre. So I teach them all about opinion writing paragraphs. We practice several of them, and then we publish them. So we're going through the planning, the writing the and the um, planning and writing the planning and writing and then we get to the editing revising publishing or revising editing publishing you know what I mean okay so we do the same thing when we learn about book reports we talk about what a book report is we talk about the parts it needs we plan how to write them together we plan how to write them by themselves we plan how to write them again and then we pick one and we publish it so we're going through that process each time but we might not be going through the whole process But in the end, we're picking something to publish, and then we revise, edit, then publish. So every time we publish, we're revising, editing, publishing, revising, editing, publishing. The rest of the time, we're writing and planning, writing and planning. So hopefully that makes sense. (laughs) 
Okay, so publishing is a great way to celebrate your students' hard work and getting them proud of their new writing skills. Varying the way students are publishing is also a great way to keep them engaged and excited during writing time. We don't want to make it so it's always the same thing. Like, think how boring it would be and think how much you would hate writing if you always had to write the same prompt as the teacher in the entire class, you're all writing the exact same thing every day, you have to finish it from start to finish every single day, and then you're, you know, you got to color your picture and make it look nice and turn it in for a grade, and all oh, the next day you're doing the exact same thing again, you get a prompt, and then you write it, and then you color a picture, and you turn it in for a grade. We don't want to do that. We want it to be aligned a little bit more naturally how an actual author would be writing and publishing their own works. And they don't publish everything they write. I should know because I've been writing things forever and I haven't published any of them <laughs> except for blog posts. Okay, so some fun ways I think anyway to publish a writing piece can be having students type it. So using those nice computers that we all have now from distance learning, you can have them open up a Google Doc and learn how to type it in there. You can give them different fancy borders on their paper. I call this my publishing paper. You can use a large butcher paper for oversized stories. Now, how fun is this? We did this when we did our turkey reports in Thanksgiving time. I made giant pages using just the regular old butcher paper that we use for our bulletin boards. And each group had their own page that they worked on publishing together. So that was a lot of fun. You can have them record it. I've done this with personal narratives. So they write the story and then they narrate the story just using a recording software, much like I'm using to make this podcast episode. You can also have them publish it by making it into a slideshow. So some of those are quite time consuming, but they can be very fun. And especially if they're just sprinkled throughout your year and you're not always requiring them for every single piece, students will be more engaged and you can get some amazing products that you can share with families and maybe even invite them in and have like an author celebration at the end of the school year. So I hope you found some clarity on teaching the five steps in the writing process today using these five stages, again, planning, writing, revising, editing, and publishing is a great way to further develop your students' writing skills. Breaking down the writing process and cycling through it as you move through your lessons will help your students be more confident writers. Best of all, their upper elementary teachers will be blown away by how thoughtfully your students can plan, write, revise, edit, and publish a piece of writing. If you still have any questions about the writing process, I'm always eager to hear from my listeners, and you can drop me an email at susan at sharedteaching.com. Stay tuned for an all-new episode next Wednesday. Bye for now. If you've loved this show, then join me in sharing the teaching, hitting that subscribe button, and leaving us a review on iTunes, so we can be found by more teachers like you who are ready to start sharing the workload. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find new episodes each week on sharedteaching.com. Thanks for listening to the Shared Teaching Podcast.
Kate's here as K through two. <laughs> as K through two educators. So it's really important that we have a firm foundation for our upper elementary. As K through two. <laughs>